Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by EverlyWell. To get 15% off an EverlyWell at-home lab test, visit everlywell.com forward slash brain and enter the promo code brain during checkout. That's everlywell.com forward slash brain. Use the code word brain for 15% off your test. EverlyWell at-home lab tests. Your answers, your way. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. Here we are, another week, another Sunday, if you listen the day it comes out. Unless you're on the other side of the world and it comes out on another day, that can happen too. I'm glad you're here and I'm going to do a follow-up on an episode I did back on, what was it, 9-1. It was the beginning of September 2019, so a few weeks ago as of this airing. So if you're looking for that particular episode, it is called uh, The Difficult and Sometimes Painful Decisions That Always Improve Your Life. So um, I'm following up on that episode because someone asked a question about their career and they're working for what they called, uh, well, I'll just read you the email or it was a quick message in Twitter. They said, hi, I'm still a loyal listener all these, all these years. I recently moved to South Florida for work and it's not what I was told. My boss is a maniacal dictator and makes me depressed every day. I don't know what to do because I need the paycheck badly and jobs are few and far between here. Help. And so I responded to him in that episode, and I I think it was helpful, I hope. Uh, But he replied back and said, I have a follow-up question. I don't normally go back and forth and do the follow-ups and stuff like that, uh, but this was a particularly interesting follow-up question, and I wanted to share with you a reply not from me at first, but from uh, Scott Barlow, what happened to your career. If you've been listening to this show a while, him and I have partnered up a few times and had shows together because I don't really talk about work and career on this show. So I partnered up with Scott and asked him to be on the show over the years to discuss that and also connect you with his resources. He's got a lot of free resources, uh, and I link to those resources at theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash career. So if you are interested in changing careers, improving your career, uh, if you're annoyed by your career, go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash career. And I'm going to read you this follow-up from this person who wrote to me almost a month ago and have Scott answer it in his words. Now, what's interesting about this is that I sent Scott this person's follow-up message. And I'm just going to call him Matt, for example. So Matt sent me this follow-up message and it says, How do you deal with a boss and a company that operates in a culture of promoting fear tactics and bullying to get work done? 
An example, berating me with text messages until I look at my phone on a Monday morning at 1 a.m. to answer an email. Or saying that my work is stupid and not thought through when I know my work is good. And so that was a great follow-up question. And I decided to send it over to Scott, it happened to your career, to find out what he had to say. So uh, what I'm going to do is play you Scott's reply to this follow-up question. And it's, I think it's about 15 minutes long. So Scott's audio is going to take up a big chunk of real estate in this episode. But hang in there. Listen to the whole thing because afterward, I'm going to give you my comments. I took a bunch of notes. I listened to this and I took a bunch of notes. And I want to expand on what Scott spoke about. Because there are some things that you'll hear and you'll go, what, is that really going to work? Or I can't do that. I can't possibly do that. And, you know, Scott didn't have the time to expand on these. So I'm going to take the time to expand on these. And remember to relate these ideas and suggestions, not only to your coworkers or your boss or anyone at work. Uh, it's also handy in other types of relationships. And uh, you'll hear what I mean afterward when I uh, make some comments on this. So let's play Scott's answer to this question now and see what we can do with it. Again, the question is, how do you deal with a boss in a company that operates in a culture of promoting fear tactics and bullying to get work done? And he feels berated and his work is called stupid and not thought through and uh, he's being bullied. So take it away, Scott. Hey, this is Scott Anthony Barlow. I am the CEO of Happen to Your Career. I am a career coach. I'm the host of the Happen to Your Career podcast where we get to help all kinds of people that are on their way looking for career happiness. We get to help make that possible every single day. And this question that I get to answer for you, it, it's such a great question. It's such a relevant question, even for people who are not inundated with a culture of promoting fear tactics or bullying because the same things that are going to help you get out of this or help make it better, or have the potential to help make it better, are going to be the same pieces that are involved with drawing really great boundaries and asking for what you want and need and partnering with your boss in a way that you may not have previously thought possible. So let me say one thing first. If the entire company and your boss and everybody around you, absolutely everybody around you, is really operating in a culture of promoting fear tactics and bullying to work, get work done, then I would ask yourself, if this is something that you want to be a part of for a long period of time, and if not, then I would start taking steps to be able to make a change because there are other organizations out there. There are boss, there's no perfect bosses and there's no perfect organizations. However, there are many that are trying really, really hard and want to help do the right thing for their team, their employees, the people that they work with. And life is too short. So if this is an organization that you want to stay with, and you feel like you want to be able to put in the work to help make this better and help make an impact there and be able to change the culture, at least in the, your immediate surrounding, like with your boss or coworkers, then that's where you can start employing these couple things that we'll talk about. So here's something that I think will help you tremendously. Thing number one, I think it's really important that you schedule a time with your boss that's separate and outside the normal. And yet you can say, hey, I've got something that 
is pretty important that I'd love to chat with you about just about how you and I work together and how we can work together even better. And I feel like it's really important. So I'd love to set some time aside. If possible, get outside the office where there might not be interruptions. And I guarantee that if you say, hey, look, this is something that's really important. You know, can we get 15 minutes? Can we get 25 minutes and be able to talk about this so that we can work together even better? Then that's going to be something that they're going to help you find the time for and also make it easy on them. You can go ahead and say, hey, I'll I'll put a time on your calendar and you let me know if this works. And then let's do this because it is something that's really important to me. So when you get to that conversation, when you have that conversation with your boss, it's really important that you're looking at it as a partnership, as one from one human being to another, because chances are really high. They do not understand the impact of how they're working with you. So when they're sending you a text again and again and again and again, on Monday morning, really early, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning to answer an email or when they say things like my work is stupid then, and or not thought through, they probably think that what they are doing is really, really, really important and really, really critical and they do not understand the impact that it's having on you. So think about this as this is probably the first time that you're helping them become aware of what their impact is. And they have to be aware of it in order to have an opportunity to change. At the same time, you've got an opportunity here to be able to draw some boundaries in how you work together and what's acceptable versus not acceptable. Now, you're not going to use any of that language that I just used. Instead, here's how that conversation could go. It could start out by simply saying, hey, it's really important to me that I am making your job easier and I'm doing a great job working with you, getting you what you need, as well as doing a great job for the company and supporting the team that is around us too. And I also have recognized that there are some things happening that are not allowing that to happen. And that's what I want to talk about specifically in how you and I are working together. So I wanted to give you a couple examples of that. And then really focus our attention on how we can work together differently in the future to be able to get great results and have both of us feel really amazing about it at the same time. So may I give you a couple examples of things that have happened and then could we talk about ways that this could happen differently in the future that could be really good for both of us? There have been a variety of times where you've told me that my work is stupid or it's not thought through. And I'm guessing that your intent is probably to get a different set of work from me. And you're probably in some way trying to tell me that you expect something else. At the same time, when you tell me that my work is stupid then it has the exact opposite impact on me. I It makes me not want to do a great job for you. It makes me feel as though you think I'm stupid or it makes me believe that you're unwilling to share with me about what it is that you really need instead. So what I would like from you instead is when you get to those situations where you feel like that you're not getting what you need from me, 
that you articulate with me very clearly what it is that you'd like to see different. I'm also willing to ask some questions. And a way that you might do that could sound something like, hey, this particular set of work, it's not meeting my expectations. Could we have a conversation about what needs to be different? And then that'll give me the clue to say, okay, uh, I'm going to ask some questions about what needs to be different specifically. And then we can get to what actually needs to change. And then that's going to be both helpful to me and helpful to you because then you'll get the changes that you need and I'll feel much, much better about the interaction. And guess what? It'll be actually way easier for me to get you what you need as well. And if we want to go a step beyond that, I think one of the ways that we could work together even better is talk about how we could be proactive about that. How could I get a better understanding of what it is that you want to need even before I start doing the work? And that's what I'd love for our conversation to to center around. However, I feel like it's incredibly disrespectful when you tell me that my work is stupid. And I also know that there's probably something that you want to need uh, when you're telling me that. And I want to be really clear with you that when you choose to tell me it's stupid, it's going to be the exact opposite impact from what you want. So I'm not sure if that works with you, if your boss tells you it's stupid and it just works perfectly for you, but I want to be really clear that it doesn't work for me. And I also want to find a better way. Could we talk about that? That type of conversation where you are doing a couple of different things, being able to share what it is that is not okay, being able to put it in perspective for them to how it benefits them, and being able to offer different alternatives for your boss, because guess what? They probably have a boss too. They probably have other things. They probably think they're doing the right thing. I know, I know, I know. Sometimes in these situations, it's like, how on earth could they possibly think that they're doing the right thing? But chances are high. And when I've experienced these types of situations over and over again, a lot of times they've gone through their whole career or most of their career without any feedback like this and without anybody really sharing any of these types of things. And everybody just assumes that they must know. And the reality is that almost all the time, they don't. Almost all the time, even if they might suspect maybe they aren't using the best tactics, they assume that because the work is eventually getting done, that no news is good news and they're getting the results. So it becomes reinforced over a period of many, many years. And I've seen this happen way too often. So you're going to not just help yourself, you're actually going to help every other person that works with this individual by having this conversation too. Okay, so now on the on the 1 a.m. piece, that, that conversation can look really, really similar. You can say, hey, another example of this would be, it's really important to me that I'm spending certain times with my family, that I'm spending certain times taking care of myself. And that is not happening sometimes, or I feel like that can't happen uh, sometimes. So for example, you know, I got a bunch of texts from you again and again at 1 a.m. when I was asleep to answer an email. And I'm not sure if you thought, hey, I would see them when I when I got up. I'm not sure why you felt it was so critical. I'd love to talk about that. However, I also want to be really, really clear that there are going to be times where I'm just not able to, to get to something because I'm spending time with my family, because I have other priorities as well. So what I'd love to do is spend our time talking about how we can proact on that so that we don't get to that point where you feel like you need to 
contact me in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping to be able to get something done. And that's where I'd love to center our conversation because otherwise we're both going to be set up for for disappointment when I don't answer the 1 a.m. text or don't answer the you know, 2 a.m. text. So could we talk about that? What can be done differently to be able to get the results that you need and also make sure that when I'm away from work, that I am able to spend time with my family and the people that I care about that don't involve work. Okay, so there's a couple examples of how you can handle that. And there's a variety of different ways, but I think the most important thing here is that you're drawing really clear boundaries. Notice in every one of those conversation examples did the exact same thing, was able to share what it is that you want, starting out with what you want that's mutually beneficial, that is advantageous to them, and then from there, being able to give an example of what's not meeting that, and then going back to that shared approach, and then saying, how could we do this differently? Treating it as a, as a partnership. And there's a couple of different reasons why you do that too. One is you want to get commitment from them. You don't just want this to be a one-time conversation and have nothing else that uh, that happens. In fact, one thing that can uh, really work well after you finish the conversation up is create other checkpoints where you continuously and openly talk about this now that you've broached the subject because it gets easier to talk about these types of things once you've broached the subject with them. And one way that you might do that is at the end of the conversation say, hey, would it be okay if we continue to check in about this sort of thing so that you're getting what you feel like you need in terms of work, that way I can share with you the very best ways that you're going to be able to work with me to get what you need. Okay, sounds good. I will absolutely make sure that this is a part of our one-on-ones. I'll continue to share feedback with you. And I'd love to be able to talk openly about how we can do this better and better and better. I'm not expecting either of us to be perfect. However, I am expecting that we're working towards this together because that's ultimately going to help both of us get what we individually need. Does that sound great? Okay, fantastic. All right, if you have that type of conversation, it's possible that it's not going to go well. It's also possible that your boss is gonna be really embarrassed and might have some type of, I don't know, flippant reaction. But it's also possible that it goes really, really well and they're surprised that you receive it this way or have received this way and they want to do better. And I've seen that again and again. And you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. You have to give them a little bit of trust or a little bit of the doubt, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt before they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So you start. If you don't do it, then it's unlikely to change, period. So that's a great way you can start that. If it doesn't change, then my goodness, um, life is too short. And I would say begin looking for an organization that really aligns with how you work, your values, doesn't promote fear tactics, but is much the opposite direction. Instead, has good leaders and they want to do great things for their team. And again, no organization's perfect. However, there are many that operate differently. And that's where I'd encourage you if maybe you've already taken this approach and you're unsure about what to do next, Paul has some really great resources set up for tools that we have, including one of our eight-day figure-it-out courses. If you want to transition into another role, another company, uh, go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com slash career, and that'll be able to get you started with a variety of resources for your career. Hey, 
Thanks so much, Paul, for letting me come on and share some of the ways to be able to handle this type of situation, this type of conversation with your boss, with your company. Talk to you later. Adios. Thank you so much, Scott, for your time on that. And uh, like he said, you can get some free resources at theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash career. And I'm going to break down some of the stuff that Scott said, give you my spin on it, give you my angle on it, and um, apply it to almost any relationship in your life. I mean, this is going to be sort of a career job oriented answer, but it's, I think some of the information that Scott provided can help a lot of type of relationships. Whether it's coworkers, whether it's subordinates, whether it's your own relationships at home, there are some across the board applications that we can use here to help all of our relationships. So when we come back, I'll share my notes about what Scott said, because I have a few, and give you my insights and opinions on that, which I hope will be helpful to you. We'll be right back. been looking forward to talking about this particular product and service for about a month now. This is a service called Everlywell. And what it is, is they have in-home lab tests. I didn't even know this existed quite honestly, and maybe I'm ignorant, but I think this is probably the most exciting thing I've seen in a long time because one of the things I don't necessarily like to do, I mean, I'll do it, but I don't necessarily like to go to the hospital. I don't like to go to the doctor's office. I don't enjoy doing it. I, I think a lot of people might agree with me. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to do it. And so it doesn't mean I don't go. It doesn't mean I don't get things checked out. It just means that sometimes, why can't I just mail you something and you tell me what's wrong with me <laughs> or what's right with me or whatever. Uh, this is where Everlywell comes in. They have a ton of home lab tests that you would normally have done in the hospital where I can do this in the privacy of my own home and send them the sample, which they then email me the results and I can look at their digital platform to help break down exactly what the results mean to me. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a medical professional. I don't know how to interpret all this stuff. And they do a great job of breaking it down and helping you interpret it. And plus you can set up a free discussion with a healthcare professional directly through the Everlywell platform. So this will help you learn more about what your results are. But the reason I'm so excited about this is because there's so many lab tests that we can go take, but how much time and energy and cost is it going to involve when I can just have it sent to my house? I mean, there are more than 35 at-home lab tests from food sensitivity to thyroid to heart health tests, which is the one that's sitting right in front of me now that I'm looking forward to trying, and even STD testing. Talk about something that you'd love your privacy on, a home STD test. You know, not the most comfortable to talk about, but it's there. It's available through Everlywell. You know, I never said this on the air before, but when I met my girlfriend, uh, I've been with her for uh, probably five years now. Uh, before we met, I said that we needed to get STD testing. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, that implies a lot. But let me just tell you, uh, I would have been much more comfortable having to do that at home instead of walking into a clinic or somewhere and having that done. And so walking into the clinic felt kind of weird. You know, I've got to, you know, do something that I would rather do in the privacy of my own home. 
and uh, get the answers myself and not involve all these other people. But I was there and I had to go through it. I didn't know I could do this or maybe it wasn't available back then. I'm not sure when they came out, but I'm looking at this now thinking this is fantastic. So I'm really excited about this. Like I said, I have the home heart health test available. You know, I had issues when I was very young. They found an extended valve in my heart that makes a clicking noise. And they said that, you know, you should see a cardiologist, you know, every few years or every year. I'm not sure what they told me. And to tell you the truth, I never saw one. I lived my entire life with the suggestion that I needed to see a cardiologist and I never did. And that was, that was bad on me, bad on me. But here I am ready to take this heart health test and get some answers so that I can take care of myself. I want you to take care of yourself and start learning more about your health like I'm doing now. Go ahead and check out Everlywell at-home lab tests. You can get 15% off right now. Just go to everlywell.com. It's one word, Everlywell. Just think of Beverly Well without the B. So it's E-V-E-R-L-Y-W-E-L-L.com forward slash brain. Make sure to use the promo code brain when checking out so you can get your 15% off. I'm excited. I mean, I might get bad news, but I'm excited. I want to find out. I want to go through this and see what it's like. Again, go to everlywell.com forward slash brain. I'm sure it's going to be good news. And make sure to use the promo code brain to get 15% off your test. Everlywell at home lab tests, your answers, your way. Welcome back. I'm going to break down some of what Scott said and give you my insights and opinions on what he said and maybe some areas that uh, there might be gaps in what he shared and also different angles that I can share with you on where we can go with this. And I just got to say this when I was listening to uh, Scott talk, some of the things he said, I was like, give me a break. (laughs) That's not going to work. You make it sound like I could just walk in there and say, hey, could you please be nicer to me? Okay, great. No, I'm just kidding with Scott. I hope he's not listening. Uh, But I'm saying that because I realized that Scott only had a few minutes to share what he needed to share. He's really a genius in helping you figure out what career fits you. And he gets a lot deeper in his own trainings if you work with him or get his material. But since we have more time, we're going to dive in and take his points as far as we can. For example, when you say to your boss, hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you outside the office. How do you approach that and what's the realistic uh, response that you're going to get? So that's what we're going to talk about here. Because on the outset, if you zoom out of this advice, you might think, well, if all I had to do is ask my boss to be nicer to me, that's not what he's saying, but if that's all I had to do, then I would have already done it and things would be great. But that's not the kind of boss I can ask because that's where I go is like if I'm working for this maniacal dictator. I'm thinking that he or she's not going to be able to just sit down with me and have a decent conversation. It sounds like an aggressive environment. So, like I said, I took notes and I want to break apart some of the stuff Scott said and help you to apply it to your situation. And like Scott said, is that it doesn't have to apply to a situation where your boss is a jerk or a dictator or whatever. Uh, It can be in any situation. It could be any job environment where... And this is one thing I got from Scott, where you want to create a little bit of change in the culture, because when you walk into a job and the culture 
has fear or negativity of some sort or there are mean people there, then the culture is being fed that negativity, usually from certain individuals and often from the top down. Not always, but often from the top down. And if the negativity is not being fed from the top down, then it's from other individuals and the supervisors, managers, and the boss aren't doing anything about it. That's another situation, another case that can happen is that you can be in a work environment where the bosses aren't doing anything about it and people are just not fun to be around. And so let me break down a few of the things that Scott said. He said, one of the most important questions is asking yourself, is this something I want to be a part of for the long haul? And if your answer is, well, I like the work, but I don't like the people, you got to remember that the people come with this particular job. It doesn't mean the people will stay, but when I look at the jobs that I've been in, there have been jobs that I've taken that some people weren't necessarily great to work with and some were downright intolerable, but I found ways to enjoy the job and not necessarily be around those people. And so, you know, those people are going to shine in, uh, in a negative way with other people as well. They're all going to know that guy in accounting or that woman in the executive offices. They're all going to know that person and the way they are. So you're probably going to have a rally of support around you. So it can be helpful when you have that kind of support system, unless you're singled out. If you're singled out, then what do you do? Then you are really in a hostile environment and maybe you do need to consider this isn't where I want to be for the long haul. And if that's the case, you know what, put a, a date on the calendar, start your exit strategy, like Scott was saying, and try to uh, figure out what you're going to do next. And like this person who wrote the email, he said that uh, I moved down here for this job. That doesn't mean there aren't other jobs around where you are. And maybe you can start looking right now while you're in a job, because that's the best time to look is while you're working. Let's find some other work. Uh, it's harder to you know, meet appointments and things like that for interviews, but it can be done. I've done it. It can be done. So a, I look at the people and the job kind of come hand in hand, unless you can separate them. Another thing is I worked for a jerk once. He wasn't necessarily always a jerk, but I never liked talking to him. He was my boss and I hated calling him when I was out in the field because I knew he was going to be aggressive. He didn't like to talk on the phone. He was kind of uh, frustrated every time I called and he was short with me and it was hard to talk to him. But at the same time, I liked the work I did and I also found a way inside of me to come to a place of accepting that's who he is and also he had to accept who I was. So this isn't something Scott covered. He probably does in his other teachings, but uh, for this audio, he didn't say this particular thing, but I look at it as your boss has to accept who you are too. Your boss has to accept that, hey, this is pretty much the best I can do right here, right now, but I'm going to get better. And this is where Scott did talk about, uh, just let me know what you want. Just let me know what you want. Stop telling me what you don't want. Let me know what you want. Let me know exactly what you're looking for. So Scott really covered that well. And I think that's a great way to look at it. And the reason I said your, your boss has to accept you too is because when I was calling my boss out in the field and he was frustrated with me and short with me, I would develop sort of a too bad attitude. I need the answer. 
<laughs> Too bad. I need the answer. Hey, look, I'm sorry I'm bothering you, but I need the answer. And I chose to make it not matter. I chose to make his attitude toward me not matter because the bottom line was I needed the answer. And the big picture was I needed the answer to help our company, to make our company look good, to help our company profit. It wasn't about my boss anymore. It was about the company. And I like turning any situation like that into a bigger picture. I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for the company. That's how I felt. I didn't necessarily say that to him. But when I developed that attitude, it felt better. It felt like I was working for a bigger purpose than this one person that was dictating or upset because I liked the company. I wanted the company to grow. I felt good to be a part of that company. I just didn't like this person. So that's another angle I, I like to look at as well. Another thing that Scott said or asked, he said, do you want to change the culture that you're in, at least in your immediate environment? Because if you do, you're going to have to take steps that are going to be uncomfortable. He didn't say those words, but that's what I got from it, is that you're going to have to take bigger steps than you are. You're going to have to say things that make you uncomfortable because if you don't, nothing changes. And that is the scary part is that, wow, that means I have to say something which puts my job at risk, which puts my emotions at risk because I may be fearful. Um, it puts my humility at risk. He or she may humiliate me. They may embarrass me by um, taking big steps or saying things that might be considered in their face, you know, confrontational. Now, Scott did say that when you talk about this, you talk about it in a way that's win-win. How can I help you help me? How can you help me help you? He didn't say those exact words, but I think that's what the bottom line is. I want to work together with you. I want to partner with you. You don't say those words, but if you have this attitude, you move toward it as a partnership. I want to help you make this place better. I want to help you get your point across and get more productivity out of me. I mean, you don't even have to talk about anyone else or the culture. I want to help you get more productivity out of me. So help me by telling me what you need instead of what you don't need. And you do that by scheduling a meeting outside the environment. Scott says perhaps a lunch or, you know, outside where he or she is not in her, their own environment. Uh, let them know that you have something important that you want to discuss and how to better work together for a common goal. I think that's a great idea. When you take them out of the environment, who are they? Maybe they're a completely different person. Maybe work drives them crazy. Scott was saying maybe their boss yells at them. Maybe they are under a lot of pressure. Maybe that's how the company culture has been, is that superior A yells at superior B, yells at subordinate A, yells at subordinate B, so on and so forth, until you have a, a hostile environment. And they may have been in it for so long that, A, maybe they don't know how to manage or lead people the right way. And maybe they've never been told how to do it. Maybe their training has been terrible. Maybe their training has been nothing but a negative environment. So this is where Scott goes on to say, view their behavior as not understanding the impact that it's having on you. Your boss may not understand how impactful his berating and belittling and bullying you is. Your boss may believe that being a drill sergeant gets the job done instead of being kind and respectful because he or she still got results. And so that's what Scott mentioned is that if they don't know what they're doing, they're going to continue doing it. 
this is where it might be necessary to, again, take them aside and talk about it. You know, when you say this to me, it really feels disrespectful and I really don't know what you want because it comes out in a harsh way and I would rather you just tell me, hey, this is what I'm looking for instead of just putting me down. Now, you know, when I hear myself say this, it sounds like from what you're talking about, your boss, it sounds like your boss might say, well, if you don't like this job, you can quit. You know, it sounds like that might be the environment that you're in. And if that's the case, I still say you go into a place of, I just want to help make your job easier. That's all I'm trying to do. I want to help make your job easier. And if we can work together to make this happen, great, let's do it. Let's figure this out. And maybe your boss will be receptive, maybe not. But when they're out of their environment, when they're not in the hostile zone, it's quite possible that you can actually talk to them as another human instead of a superior. Because when some people are at work, they put on that work hat. And if they're a boss or a manager and they're not very nice when they are that person, if they can take off that work hat and they're outside of their environment, they may be a completely different person. I've known people like that. When they're in the workspace, people fear them. And it's almost like they can be meaner with that fear. Like the person I fear is now meaner because I fear them. I don't know if it's an ego thing, a power thing, or maybe it's just a, a learned thing, a nurtured thing at the company that they're at. So again, you're viewing the behaviors, not understanding the impact that their behavior is having on you, gives them, like Scott said, the benefit of the doubt. If you give someone the benefit of the doubt, then you give them a little break. You actually come at them as if you believe they don't know better. Because let's just say that you're dealing with a kid that is yelling at you and you realize, wow, this kid didn't learn to yell at me by himself. He learned to yell at me through other people that yelled at him. That's how I would see a kid. It's like, that kid doesn't learn that behavior as soon as he was born. That kid learned that behavior from someone else. And so I would see that kid as not understanding the impact that their behavior is having on you. You know, one of the things that my mom did a long time ago when I was a kid, um, I made her cry once. It felt awful. And I didn't realize that my behavior was making her feel sad until she cried. And for the first time, I understood that when I talk down to her, talk back at her, it makes her sad. It makes her feel heartbroken. And I never did it again. I never wanted to make her cry again because I finally understood the impact on that person. So that can be a huge help. And if we go around afraid of people and not wanting to say how their behavior is affecting us, then those people might continue that behavior and we might continue keeping the fear and nothing ever changes. That's why it's important when you look at a culture, when you look at an environment, do you want that environment to change? And if so, you might have to take big steps outside your comfort zone. You might have to step into the abyss knowing that uh, what you are going to say next might get you fired, might get you yelled at, might get you humiliated. I mean, there are risks involved when you want to make a change. There's, In fact, there's always risk involved. I'm not going to lie to you. There's always risk involved when you want to make a change because people are used to who you are and they continue acting the way they are towards you because of who you are. And as soon as you change, people around you will change unless, and this is the best part, you are surrounded by people who really love and support you and respect who you are. Those are the people that when you change, support it. 
It's the other people that don't love and respect you and don't want you to change so that they can stay the same that we have trouble with. It's harder to make changes because we know that some people around us won't like our changes. And because they won't like our changes, we're afraid to act. We're afraid to take a step into the direction that we know we need to go. We're afraid to do improvements in our life because of fear, even though we know they'll improve our life. Yeah, but I might get fired. Or you might get respected. Yeah, but I can't get fired. I need a paycheck. Or you could find another job while you're working and get another paycheck. Yeah, but so-and-so will yell at me. Or they'll finally understand the pain or the hurt or the fear that they're instilling in you. Maybe they don't know. Of course they know. Did they tell you that? I want you to be afraid. I'm doing this so you'll be afraid. If they told you that, then you'll know where they're at. You'll know from what place they're coming from. And now you have a choice to make. When someone tells you who they are and what they're doing and they know they're doing it, you have no choice but to accept it. You can't change them. All you can do is ask yourself, do I want to stay in this environment anymore? Because they're clearly aware of what they're doing and they're clearly not going to change. So this is now up to me. When you want change, yes, there is probably some fear involved because the people around you aren't ready for you to change. And they may never be, which means sometimes you just have to do it and take the consequences so that you can improve your life. I mean, that's kind of the risk of improvement. Every time you improve your life, you're going to risk someone not being happy with that. So let me just share a few more things that Scott said. Really good advice here. He said, uh, get the commitment from them. You know, ask your boss, ask whoever's giving you trouble if we can have a win-win situation, what can I do for you? And this is what you can do for me. And I just want to make it mutually beneficial so that we're both getting what we need. And if they say, yes, let's do that, then that's a commitment. But if they say, you know, okay, I understand what you're looking for. You know, I don't know if that's going to happen. Then you don't have a commitment. You don't really have anything. You just have somebody that heard you. That's great. Uh, we'll see what happens. And if they go right back to their old behavior, then you kind of have to chalk it up to that's who they are. This is one of those things that you'll just have to accept that things aren't going to change. You tried, now you move on. And moving on means a number of things. That could mean accepting where you are and accepting that people won't change and accepting that their mentality, their personality isn't really about you. It's about them. And you just wait for them to stop yelling and screaming and just get back to your job as long as it doesn't affect you. You can do that. Some people can and some people can't. So like Scott asked, are you in for the long haul? Is this a place that you want to be? And you do have to come to a decision knowing that this environment, these people will never change. It's like the same advice I give in relationships. If the person you're with knows who they are, knows that they're hurting you or knows that they're making you feel bad and you ask them, do you know when you do this or say this, it makes me feel bad and they say yes and they keep doing it, now you know that things will never change. Now it's time for you to make a decision for you. Because once you know who someone is, the hope that they'll change has to go away. Oh, that's who they are and that's who they'll always be. I mean, you can hope, but you can't let hope delay you from taking the right steps for you. You can't let it suspend your own improvement and your own happiness. You need to take steps for you at that point because you need to come to an acceptance that that person is who they are. Even if they were nice at one time, this is who they are today. And until they're nice again, 
You need to take your own action in your own life to get to a better place. So the last thing that Scott said is that it gets easier to broach the subject after you've opened the door to talk about it. And, you know, I can totally relate to this because I remember back in late 2000s, I was working for someone and uh, this person was talking down about another coworker of mine. And I decided to stand up and say, you know, that person isn't here to defend themselves. So I think it's kind of unfair that you said that. And that was like one of the first times I ever stood up to my boss and said something that I thought I probably shouldn't say at the time. And my boss responded in a positive way. He said, you're right. He's not here to defend himself. Uh, what do you think? And, and then I felt included. And from that point on, the door was opened. I opened that door. I took the risk. I mean, it doesn't sound risky the way I explained it, but I felt very afraid when I brought it up. It's just the principle of the whole thing got to me and the idea that someone wasn't there to defend themselves and they were just talking about him and putting him down. I felt like I had to stand up. So I did. And I felt like I was risking my job. I felt like that what I'm about to say could actually get me fired. But I didn't like the energy of the conversation. I didn't like the, you know, you can look at it as culture. I didn't like the culture that I was in. I needed to take steps to make a change. And so I did at what I believed to be a risk of my job. But it turned out to be the best thing I could have done because it did change. It opened the door for conversation and it made me feel lighter and more free to speak up and say things knowing that the door was always open. I just never realized it. And it's quite possible in the space that you're in, this, this person who wrote the email or anyone listening that might be in a similar situation at work, the door is probably open because the people that you work for or you work with are human beings too. And when they're not at work, they're different people, most likely. And so to connect with them at a human level and just share how their behavior is affecting you, you get to find out who they really are and if they're willing to listen. And the person who wrote the email says uh, it was pretty important to him to get a paycheck. And so, yes, the, the risks are there that your boss will fire you for asking to be respected which is kind of silly. And if I got fired for that, I might have something to say about that. And I know the person who wrote the email said that, you know, their paycheck is the most important thing. You know, most of us feel that way. Paycheck is the most important thing. But is your paycheck more important? And I think I asked this uh, on the last episode. I talked about this. Is your paycheck more important than your dignity, than your integrity, than your character? Is your paycheck more important than the stuff that makes you, you? Because that's what I see when I was in jobs that my integrity and my character and my dignity were being pummeled, then the paycheck didn't matter. And that's not easy for most of us to say. I'm not going to tell you that, hey, don't worry about a paycheck because you could end up on the street. You may have kids to feed. You may have lots of bills. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I'm just saying when it gets to that point where the work environment is so hostile and you're just unhappy every day and you're afraid to say anything to change what's happening, that you may end up just being unhappy for the rest of the time that you're there. And what kind of life is that? You wake up, you dread going to work. You go to work, you dread being there. You leave work, you dread the next day. It's like all dread. There's, there's no joy in it. There's no positive aspect of day-to-day -day life at all when you're in a situation that you just can't be happy in. Because when you leave it, a lot of us think about it the next day and don't want to wake up and go to work the next day. If you're in that kind of environment, you really do have to ask yourself, 
Is this what I want to spend the majority of my time doing? And of course, if you value your integrity and your character and your dignity like I do, you're probably not going to tolerate too much more, which is where Scott comes in with all these great points on how you can make changes. And it may be scary to ask your boss these things. It may be scary to say, hey, I need to talk to you. Uh, Can we have some coffee? It's really important. Uh, It may be scary to do those things. But how much more are you going to suffer? You know, this is where I go with it. How much more are you going to suffer before you decide that you've had enough? I hope this helps. We'll be right back. for listening to another episode of the overwhelmed brain i want to thank everlywell head over to everlywell.com forward slash brain enter the promo code brain during checkout and get 15 percent off your home lab test they've got many to choose from so check them out and i want to thank amazon reviewer bridget benon or benon something like that uh, for her review on clear the path to happiness i wrote an ebook i don't know years ago and i put it on amazon and um, it's still being purchased. And I am happy to hear that. It's not something I follow. You know, I don't follow the sales of that little book. But uh, every now and then, somebody will buy it and they'll go, wow. And this is what Bridget did. Bridget said, I loved this brain opener book. Thank you very much for sharing your wisdom with us, Paul. It had a really healing effect on me. So thank you, Bridget. That was very kind of you to rate that book. And I want to thank iTunes reviewers, Miss D440, Kristen Berzai, I think, and NK Nusha. <laughs> I'm going to have trouble pronouncing these. They were so kind in their reviews. And um, I like what NK said about the jealousy episode last week. They said it was amazingly honest and it made me feel so confident in myself. I honestly loved this podcast so much. I wrote so many notes from it. You have to hear it. I think she was talking to the general public. Thank you so much for that. And I appreciate everyone that typed in their reviews in iTunes and other places too. I know that there are reviews out there that I haven't found. I just want to thank you, each and every one of you, for taking the time to share your thoughts on the show, even if they're negative. I actually don't mind receiving negative reviews. I mean, they're no fun. But when I get them, I read them on the air because I want to address the challenge. I want to make sure that you hear other people's opinions when they're negative, especially And I want you to hear me address those opinions because I want to be fully transparent with you. So that's part of my vulnerability. That's part of my personal growth. That's part of the way I always work on improving myself. And I think when you can take someone's criticism of you and be open about it, be public about it, be vulnerable with others about it. I'm not saying you have to be, but when you can do that, It can go a long way in helping you process it, helping you understand yourself, where you are with it, and helping you resolve it and get to another place with it. It doesn't always work. Sometimes we're hurt by someone's words and there's not much we can do about it because we have this inner pain or old emotional wounds, but we're always working on it. That's that's my goal. I'm always working on any uh, emotional pain that might come when someone is critical of me. But I do so in a very open way. I I like to keep it at the surface. I don't like to bury it and think, oh, that hurt. I never want to tell anyone. I like to tell everyone. (laughs) So if there's something that you want to say to me, absolutely tell me. I don't mind getting the negativity either. It's all part of the process. It's philosophical to me. Without hot, how do you know cold? Without bad, how do you know good? That's my little outlook on life. 
So anyway, again, thank you for anyone that shares their thoughts about the show out there in the online world. And I'm going to throw this at you one last time. When we have advertisers on this show, it's because of your responses to the survey that I put out, I don't know, once every two or three years that helps me have sponsors on that really serve you, that benefit you, that you want to hear. Because we're going to have a sponsor. I mean, we don't inundate the show with sponsors. We like to have a sponsor or two per episode And it's always nice to hear the ones that are actually relevant to you. So if you wouldn't mind heading over to theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash survey and just fill out some demographic information so we can match the right companies to you so that things are more relevant and you don't get bored listening to some ad that you really don't care about. I want you to be exposed to things you actually care about on this show. Again, go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash survey. And uh, I think I'll have that done in about a couple weeks. And when it's done, it'll really help us out. So thanks a lot. I also want to thank those who are supporting the show, theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash supporters. We have a list of patron members and people who have donated. And I'm very proud of that page. I'm, I'm very grateful for those people. So anyone that has been a supporting patron or has donated any money to the show to help keep us going, to thank us for being valuable to you in some way, for helping you in your life some way. Thank you so much. You can show your support if you'd like at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And that's where you can get a bunch more episodes you've never heard, free workbooks and worksheets, and also discounts on some of the products that I offer on the on the website, and um, some videos. There's all kinds of things going on over there. So not only do you give, we also give back. So I appreciate anyone that gives to this show, patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And in this show, we talked a lot about relationships, especially work relationships, those people that you have to sometimes, quote, deal with at work. Uh, But you can apply this to almost anyone in your life, at least a lot of the advice that uh, Scott and I talked about today. And uh, there's more advice over at loveandabuse.com. I have a podcast called Love and Abuse, if you haven't heard about it, and you want to learn more about manipulation, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, psychological abuse, a lot of similar terms there, and uh, control and all kinds of obstacles that can prevent healthy communication in a relationship and healthy bonding. Uh, Love and abuse covers a lot of that and more. So if you're interested in healthier communication and trying to avoid toxic relationships and toxic situations, head over to loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And my final words have to do with something that Scott said and something I think about a lot, which is life is too short. Life really is too short. I mean, some people may think, I can't wait for this to be over. I hope that's not you, but, you know, I'm going to be honest here. Some people think that my life is so hard. My life is so challenging. There's so much crap in my life. I don't know what to do. I I mean, I hear this. I get a lot of emails on that. And I know, I know that sometimes life is a challenge. Sometimes a certain people in your life are a challenge. This is why um, when people say, well, wherever you go, there you are. And I say, that's not true. (laughs) I know what they mean and I agree with what they mean. But I think sometimes changing your environment is a solution Sometimes changing where you are can resolve so much. Sometimes you're surrounded by toxic people and changing your environment changes you. 
It allows you to come out from the depths of who you were so that you can be who you want to be and who you are. Who are you really underneath? Life is too short not to find that out. Life is too short to let people get the better of you. Life is too short to not realize how valuable you are and how important you are and how worthy you are. There's no reason to be treated any less than your worth. And when you're treated badly and a part of you allows that treatment or enables that treatment in some way, you really have to question yourself. You have to ask, why am I doing that? What is my fear here? Why can't I stop this? Some people might answer, I have no power. I have no choice. I don't want to face the consequences of stopping that because it will get worse. It usually does get worse when you want to change someone else. This is why it's important to focus on yourself. And some people might answer, well, if I focus on myself and I do what I need to do, then I might be in a worse situation because let's just say I get away from that person. Now I'm alone. Or now I'm without resources that I need. Or now I'm without money. Now I'm away from other people that I love because of that one person. And that might be true. That might be true. But sometimes we need a reprieve from the toxic elements of our life just to clear our head. I'm not sure if I said it on this show or my podcast, Love and Abuse, where I talk about you need at least two months out of a toxic relationship so that the fog can lift and you can think clearly. And so some people get stuck in this relationship and time goes on and they think they can't leave or they think that they can't get away from a toxic person or some toxic environment. And so they choose not to leave and stay in that toxic environment. And 90% of their life or higher is full of toxicity. And it gets to the point where you're really not happy anymore. And you're just surviving. You're just getting through every day. And that's really no way to live. I mean, that's not what we're here to do. I don't believe so. I don't believe that's our purpose. I believe our purpose is much higher than that. Even if it's just to avoid being unhappy. Even if it's just to seek more comfort and more peace. Even if that was just our purpose, which I'm sure it's not. There's probably something a lot higher that we're supposed to be doing. But let's just say that it was. It might be time to prioritize what's most important instead of just getting through day to day. And I know sometimes you don't have a choice. It feels like there's no way out. And you may look at your circumstances and tell me, no, this is why there's no way out. I can tell you right now, I have no way out. This is how it is. There's nothing anyone can do about it. And I might look at that and say, okay, I believe you. But let's just say you tried this. And I give you some suggestion or some piece of wisdom. And you said, I don't want to try that. I don't want to try that because uh, that person might get angry. Or I'm not prepared for the consequences of that. I'm afraid. You might say that. And if you do, I would hope that it gave you a chance to assess what else you're saying no to in life. I'm not putting you down for this. I'm not saying that if you are in a, a place that feels like you have no options and no choice, that it's not true. I'm just asking, how quickly do you stop yourself from considering doing something that feels like a real leap of faith? You know, when I had to honor my boundaries for the first time in front of my stepfather that I hadn't seen in years, 
and I never wanted to see again. But for the first time I had to honor my boundaries, it was a huge leap of faith. I really thought I was going to get hit in the face. I really had no idea how it was going to go when I stood up to him. I had no idea, but I chose to do it anyway, because like I said earlier, I chose to make my dignity and my integrity the most important. I chose to make my emotional state the most important. I chose to make me the most important person in that room at that moment. And sometimes you have to be selfish like that. And this type of selfishness can be very healthy, even for them, even for the person that you might be in front of or dealing with. This type of selfishness creates a structure, creates a boundary, shows that person and any other person and the entire world what you will and won't accept in life. And when they finally see the structure because you've built it in front of them or you carry it with you everywhere you go, suddenly people know the rules. You know, a lot of people break the rules in our life, but why don't we show them the rules? Why don't we show them that this is my boundary, this is my structure that you need to follow, and if you don't follow, I won't be around, or I'm going to make you accountable for your behavior. Because right now, and you can say this in your mind, I am the most important person. Right now, I am. And I need to treat myself that way. And I need to show you that I am important when you are trying to devalue me or make me feel worthless. I am not worthless. I am worthy. Say that. I am worthy. And if you have trouble saying that or you have trouble feeling it, just keep your mind open so that you can step into your power. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.